I read this online. I thought it was all right. One of my pastor friends that I follow posted it, and I thought it was hilarious. It says, my friend has two level tickets or has two club level tickets for 2021 Super Bowl here in Tampa. He paid $10,000 for both tickets, but he didn't realize last year when he bought them, the Super Bowl was going to be the same day of his wedding. If you are interested, he is looking for someone to take his place. It's at St. Matthew's Catholic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina at 2 p.m. Her name is Connie. She's 5'6", about 125 pounds, blonde hair, green eyes, and a great cook. She'll be the one in the white dress. Hallelujah. Thank God that's not you. Because then I, I, I'm pretty sure she probably put a hit list. She probably put a Facebook. There's a coward over there. But last time I preached, I was in the book of Numbers. And we learned about a guy by the name of Phineas. Anybody remember that sermon? Phineas, the Bible said he stood up against a guy by the name of Zimri. Zimri. Because the Bible says that Zimri brought a girl that he shouldn't have brought into the tent. And the Bible says that Zimri walked right past Moses. He walked right past the altar of repentance. He walked right past those that were weeping at the altar. And he brought her into church. And the Bible says Zimri flaunted his behavior. But Phineas stood up and said, I'm not going to allow this to happen. His sin was contagious. His sin was careless. And his sin was calculated. He knew what he was going to do. He walked right past the pastor, said, like my girl, she ain't my wife, but she's going home with me. And so that's Phineas. And just in case you forgot that sermon, I never do. I never, I've never forget a sermon I listen to. You know why? Because I take notes. So if you're in church this morning, you got your Bible? That's just how I grew up in church. You brought your Bible and you brought a pen. I know you got an iPhone. Maybe you got an iPen. Pull it out. Take some notes. That's how you get the word of God in you. And so Phineas stood up and he said, I'm not having this. And you know what happens when he stood up? The Bible took notice of him and God said, therefore, behold, I give to him, to Phineas, a covenant of peace. And because he stood up and he took out the sin, he, 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 he resolved in his heart, we're not putting up with this. We're removing the sin from the camp. Because God has called us to be holy. The Bible says because Phineas stood up, God made a covenant of peace. Shalom. And this morning, the title of my message, it's not a series. If you could call it a series if you want. And if you missed last week's message or whenever it was I preached that, you could listen to it on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Just Google my name. You'll find it. Listen to it. Download it. Numbers 18. All the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you 
and your descendants with you. How many of you know that God does not only make a promise to you, he makes a promise to those after you and those that come after them. He says, I make a covenant of salt with you, your son, and your grandsons. In other words, God says, I'm going to look at the covenant that I've made with you. It's an unbreakable covenant, a covenant of salt. You got your little salt packages? You should have gotten one on your way in. If you didn't, well, try to give you something to not ever forget this message. You know, Jesus was illustrative. It, he, you know, said, he, looked, he said, look at the birds, look at the field. A sower went out to sow. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the world. Jesus was imagery. He used illustrations. And go to Leviticus. All the way back to Leviticus, the next book before Genesis. Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2. He says, and every offering. Somebody say every offering. And every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking. God says, every time you bring me an offering, every time you bring me a tithe, every time you bring me a service, every, whatever it is that you bring me, he said, I want you to bring me an oblation. That's an offering. He says, and every oblation of thy meat offering, thou shalt season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking. The Bible says, whenever you bring an offering to the Lord, Make sure that it, you bring it with salt. With all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. Going to get salty in here. You ever had one of your teenagers say, Mom's been salty lately? Huh? Google it. Look at the Urban Dictionary. For those of you that are old, that teacher was salty today. <clears throat> well, she's been salty. She's on one. You'll hear that a lot. She's on one. Well, that's not the salty this means, guys. All right? In other words, he's saying there's a purification. There's, there's, there's a holiness. There's a sanctification. There's a purity with your offering. When you offer God your tithe, whenever you offer God your life, whatever it is that you offer him, he says, I don't want your offering to be lacking salt. He says, every offering that you offer the Lord, it ought to be salt. And notice he says, I don't want you to, to offer me an offering. In verse 13 of Leviticus chapter 2, he says, if you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, that's the pastor's wife, it's okay, she can have her phone off. The rest on, the rest of you have them off. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits. Uh, go to verse 15. And you shall put oil on it. That's not the verse. I should stick to the screen. He says, don't offer me an offering with leaven or with honey. I don't accept offerings with leaven. What does leaven represent? The Bible says that Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Got a lot of preachers with a lot of honey nowadays. A lot of sweet messages. How you can be blessed. Now, I love to be blessed. I want to be blessed. 
As a matter of fact, I'm more blessed today than I've ever been. How you can live your best life now. But God says every offering that you bring to me, he says, I don't want it to be lacking salt. The Pharisees were full of scripture, but they had hearts full of sin. God says, I, I, I'm done with the excessive sweetness. I'm done with the excessive sweetness. We, we always got to present the gospel in a sweet way. God loves everybody. He accepts everybody. But let me just tell you, this morning God says, every offering that you give me, it's got to have some salt. Got to have some salt. He says, I don't want an offering with leaven, and I don't want an offering with honey. You are never to offer an offering without salt. Jesus said in Mark 9, 49, well, that's the old covenant. No, Jesus says, for everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt lost its saltiness or saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. You know, the salt that you can have with other people, the people that, they, you know, they said he deserves to be punished. Make peace with them. That's how you feel. I, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with it. The people that, that have, have prayed and watched you, watched your life fall apart, and, and they said that's what they get. That's what they brought upon themselves. Just have peace with them. Just offer it to the Lord. Say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to have peace with people, and I'm just going to let the salt be the salt. I'm just going to be salt. I'm not going to get bitter over words. I'm not going to get bitter over wounds. I'm not going to get bitter over curses. People speak curses. People have even prayed curses over you. You got to listen and not, not, not let everybody pray for you. Some of you guys go to prayer. Some people pray over you. They're not even spiritual. They haven't even read the word of God. They pray over you and they say, oh, Lord God, uh, prepare him for what's coming. All they're doing is praying fear and curses over you. You got to bind those curses. Bind those curses. I don't know who that was for. But the Bible is a book of many covenants. You know, some people get stuck on, on that covenant and this covenant. The Bible says that we are living under a better covenant. It's the covenant of blood. The covenant of blood has to do with your redemption. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ himself pulling you out of a life of sin. The Bible is a book of many covenants, many covenants. The Bible says we are living under a better covenant with better promises based on a better hope. That's why I love that song, Echo. Because the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, beloved, we are confident of better things and things that echo your salvation. When you've accepted the salvation of the Lord, you've accepted a, a better covenant. He says, I got better promises for you. You're going to echo what God has done in your life. You have a covenant of blood. You have a covenant of blood because Jesus Christ redeemed you. You know what the Bible said? Do not insult the spirit of grace. When God has washed you, when God has cleansed you, when God has revealed to you the new covenant, he says, do not insult the spirit of grace. It's hard to return those that go back. He's not talking about backsliding. He's talking about people that go back to uh, all the old stuff. Jesus is your offering. Jesus is the better thing. The covenant of Jesus is the better thing. It's the best thing built on better promises. But this morning... We're going to stick with the covenant of salt. What does that mean? Salt is, is the covenant of salt is the, one of the oldest covenants 
practiced in many regions. You know, in a lot of Indian tribe regions, in a lot of African regions, the tribes, for peace, they would do blood covenants where, where two tribal leaders would come and slit their wrists and mix, mix their blood together and, and, and they would exchange, they would exchange a, a, a weapons or a staff or maybe they would exchange emblems and, and that scar that that chief had would be access to, to further territory or more territory. You know, there was actually a, a, a missionary by the name of, of Livingston. I believe he was a, a Methodist missionary. And he, he's actually buried, this is a true story, he's buried in Westminster Abbey in England. And, and this man, he wanted access to some of the remote African tribes. And they said, you don't understand, the African tribes that are way out there in the remote part of Africa, they're very vicious, and they, they don't treat visitors very well. They don't treat visitors very well. You have to be in covenant with them. And he says, well, what do I got to do to take the gospel? I'll do whatever it is I got to do. Kind of like Paul says, I became like, I became like, I became like, so that I can win some. So what this guy did is he went to this chief, and he says, I want to bring the gospel to you, and I want to make a covenant with you. And the chief sat down and says, you really want access to my people? He slit his wrist. They both slit their wrists. They stirred the blood in a glass of wine. And they drank it, and the king gave him the true story. You could read it. The king, the chief gave him his emblem, and he says, every territory from here on up you have access to, you can preach the gospel. And I don't recommend it, but how many of you guys know that Jesus Christ was pierced for our transgressions? He spilt the blood, and he's got the scars on his sides and on our hands. You know what the Lord told me? He says, we need to begin to live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Some of us in ministry, we want pats on the back, applause. You know, I, I don't ever remember anybody coming to me and say, thank you for, oh, for being such a wonderful preacher and a pastor. And I, I, we don't do that around here. I don't know if we lack an affirmation, but if you're expecting a pat on the back for ministry, I sound like Lito now. My Lito does that. How does it go? See, if God has called you into ministry, he'll provide the access for you. And this man knew that if I don't have a covenant with these people, I can't get access to the people I want to reach. You know, the Bible says that Jesus made a covenant with the disciples, a, a salt covenant. When you would come into a business agreement or a matrimonial agreement, they still do it in weddings today, by the way. You mix the two salts together and there's two lives becoming one. When you would make a business agreement or a transaction with someone, one person would bring the salt and another person would bring a, a round loaf of bread. You know, just like in the wedding ceremony, we, we preach that the, the, the ring is round and it has no ending. Love continues. It has no end. My grandpa had a ring. Actually, he slid it right in the middle because it was too big and he slid it so it could fit his pinky. But, but a ring has no beginning. It has no end. And the salt covenant that you would make is you would bring the salt and the other person would bring the bread. And it was round, meaning that our covenant has no beginning and has no end. 
If we make an agreement, we've made an agreement to one another, and it's an unbreakable commitment. How many of you guys know that if you come into holy matrimony, you have made a commitment, you have made a covenant with your wife, it's unbreakable. The Bible says that Jesus said, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. One time I was preaching, somebody probably irritated me really bad. And one time I was preaching and the Holy Spirit said, this, this one guy was like leaving church after church after church. And I said, no wonder why he can't even be faithful to his wife, because the way he treats church is how he treats his wife. Hmm. We get phone calls. Who's preaching Sunday? Click. Did you choose this church? No, God chose it for you. I got to remind myself, calm down. You, calm down. Let, let somebody else take care of that stuff. But, but if you made a covenant, if you've made a commitment, you're going to be there. You're going to show up. There's no end to my commitment. There's no end to my covenant. Even when, when your wife irritates you, even when your wife says she thinks she loves you, but you still love her, you still show up. Even when you forget her birthday, she still loves you. Even when you forget the anniversary, she still loves you. You know that you could ask Siri, you, some of us need another lady to remind us when our anniversary is. Just pick up Siri and say, hey, Siri, remember my wife's birthday. And she'll talk back to you, by the way. And she says, okay, what's your wife's birthday? And she'll put it in there for you. Make sure you say the right name. Because if not, one morning, she might say, uh, it's so-and-so's birthday today. And you might have to hang it up real quick. I don't know. What. But it was customary to make an agreement that was unbreakable. And you would use salt and you would use Bread. You know, God takes pleasure when you offer him an offering and, 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 and you make an agreement with God and say, God, that's yours and I'm not taking it back. That, that's yours and I'm not taking it back. The beautiful story about Isaac and Abraham is that Abraham had to trust God with his only, trust God with his only son. And some of us, we're, we're there and God is saying, offer me your Isaac, offer me your son, offer me your Isaac. And I know it don't feel good, but he says, just trust me with your son. Give me your son. And that, I tell you what, that's one of the hardest things to do as a parent. I don't know why you chose this, God, but, but here he is. And sometimes our, our instinct wants to kick in. We want to be the rescuer. We want to be the defender. And there's some times where you can't do anything but just trust Lord, the Lord. I've made a commitment to you. I've made a covenant with you. Lord God, you have bound us together. And we're not breaking covenant with you here this morning. Somebody say amen. Amen. There was a young man by the name of Abijah in the Old Testament. This is where it gets, I want to say sweet, but it gets salty. Abijah was King David's great-grandson. And we find his story in the book of 2 Chronicles. And I want to turn there because I was reading some commentaries and just going through this. And I got to tell you, sometimes... To, to prepare a message, I don't know how other people do it, but, but it, it, I, I, I have to give myself to it. It has to get inside of me. I might read something or I might hear something or, or I, I, you know, uh, my wife might say, did you watch Stephen Furtick? And I said, well, I didn't watch the whole sermon, but I got something. I got to I gotta snip it out of it. And you know, I got to feel it. It's got to get in me. It might be the book of Numbers in the next couple of weeks. It might not. Maybe we might be in the book of Genesis somewhere else. But, but 
For me, I have to study. I have to prepare. I have to tune everything out and, and just, 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 that's just how I do it. You know, it's not about, you know, the way we grew up in ministries, you got to have a topic and then a text and then an intro and then a conclusion. I do it different nowadays. I do it the way I, I feel it. And sometimes I don't feel it, but I just keep, I just keep just delivering it like I am right now. And eventually that help will come. I need that help. Because how many of you guys know when you got the help, the salt will come? All of a sudden, when you say, Lord God, I can't do this on my own. I put some salt in it, Lord. I put some tears into it, God. I fasted and I pray. Now, Lord God, put some oil on it and speak to the heart of the people. It's not just about preaching sermons and messages. It's getting the heart of God for people. Getting the heart of God for people. And I want you to realize that you have an unbreakable covenant, but somebody's got to stand up and realize it. Somebody's got to say, Lord, you made a commitment to us and somebody's got to stand up. And the Bible says in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, second Chronicles 13, we don't have this up there, but the first verse says in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah became king over Judah and his reign was a short three years. The Bible says he reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah. And if you read the story, you find out that these two guys were in a conflict. But before I give you the background, let me give you the verse that, that Abijah came at this, this, this presumptive king. And he says in verse 4, then Abijah stood on Mount Zimmerin. I want you to remember that mountain. He stood on Mount Zimmerin. Which is, in the, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and said, Hear me, Jeroboam, and all Israel, hear me now. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever to him and his sons by a covenant of salt? Here's a guy, he knew his past. He knew that God had made a covenant with him, a covenant of salt. And here's Jeroboam flexing his muscles because he had 10 tribes in the northern kingdom. And for those of you guys that remember the Bible history, the Bible says that Solomon was, was king. Solomon had a servant. Let me try to wrap all this up real quick. Solomon had a servant by the name of Jeroboam. The Bible says that Jeroboam was, you know, he, he was intelligent. He had a lot of wisdom, but he was a divider. He wanted to divide the kingdom. And all because Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, listened to the guys that were young and says, what do we do with these people? They said, my father lifted a, put a heavy burden on them. Lie in the burden for us and we'll serve you. And the Bible says that Rehoboam, Solomon's son, went to the elders and they says, you know, yeah, just, just let off a little bit on them and they'll serve you and they'll love you. And he says, no, I'm going to go find out what the Bible says. The guys that he grew up with, he went to them and he says, what is your advice? And he said, get harder on them. Get harder on them. And he, he, went, he went to uh, uh, Jeroboam and he says, because Jeroboam was leading the troop, he says, We're, I'm going to be harder than you. He says, my little pinky is going to be thicker than my father's waist. And that split the kingdom. So Jeroboam splits. He takes 10 tribes. You have Abijah, some some books call him Abijam, so you can't get it confused. Here's where the confusion is at. See, real quick, let me just give you this off the top of my head. 
Jeroboam was imitating. And God don't want imitations. He wants intimacy. For those of you guys that want a point, there it is. God wants Im intimacy, not imitation. And here's Jeroboam. He says, well, I'm going to be king. We're going to split the kingdom. He takes 10 tribes and poor little uh, Abijah is left with one, two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. So here you have the story in 2 Chronicles 13. The Bible says in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah became king. This guy's probably in his early teens or maybe 20s. We don't know. But he became king. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Micaiah. Interestingly enough, Jeroboam, why do you say he was imitating? Well, if you read the story, the Bible says that Solomon had made some golden shields for the guard. And because Jeroboam was so wicked, the Bible says the, the, king, the king of Egypt came, he took the shields, and Jeroboam said, well, I'll replace them with bronze shields. The people won't know the difference. So the Bible says he would bring out bronze shields, he would set the guard, then he would take them back in. People didn't know the difference. Why was Jeroboam imitating? You know that Rehoboam's son is Abijah. What do you think Jeroboam names his son? Abijah. The Bible says he had a son. He was a baby. Some of you guys might remember this sermon. Remember King Jeroboam? He was so wicked. He was so cruel. The Bible says that a man of God from Bethel came to him and says, the very altar that you've erected for yourself, he says, you're not offering to the Lord God. You're offering to demon gods, to false gods. And God's going to deal with you and he's going to remove you. And the Bible says his little baby got sick and he turned to his wife and she said, he told her, do something, do something. Go to the prophet in Bethel and find out what will happen of the child. And the Bible says the prophet told him, you guys remember the story? She disguised herself. She was so wicked, so cruel. She couldn't even go with her own identity. She disguised herself. And then the prophet says, when she comes knocking in the door, why do you pretend to be another woman? Go and tell your husband, thus and thus, thus says the Lord. You've chosen your own priest. You've chosen your own way. You want to worship God your own way? He was imitating how to serve the God of the King of the, the God of Israel. And God says, I don't want no imitations. I want the real deal. And the Bible says that little boy, that child died. He was trying to imitate what was happening in Israel. He was trying to imitate what God had instituted. I was reading some of the commentaries on this guy. And one of the translations of the Bibles that I read says, You brought priests in, you evicted the true priest. He imitated the name of King David's grandson. Well, King David has a grandson who's a king over there. His name is Abijah. I'm going to name my son Abijah. He built his own altar. The Bible says in Bethel, he built his altar. And Ephraim, he built his, look, read the Bible. It says in the mountains of Ephraim, he built altars to homosexual gods. Sexual religion taking place all over Israel. And the Bible says he instituted feasts like the ones in Judah. He says, we're going to have our own feast. We're going to have our own Passover. And it's going to be on the same day. It doesn't matter. I don't want it to be too difficult for you guys to go back to Jerusalem to worship God with the way he prescribed, the way God ordered it. You guys can just worship right here. You don't have to go so far. You can worship from home. You can worship on Facebook. You can worship right there on YouTube. I'll just follow church. It's gotten risky to come to church, hasn't it? God is looking for people that will run to the roar, 
Don't, don't, don't stay back. The lion's roaring. We're living in lion country, and God is looking for mighty men and women of God who say, Lord God, I made a covenant with you, and I'm running to the roar. I'm running to the roar. Come on, everybody take a praise break right now and say, Lord, I'm running to the roar. He evicted the Levites. He says, we don't need you. Why don't you guys go to Judah? Uh, 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 Abijah might need you. We don't need you no more. We don't need the true God of Israel. We don't need the Levites. He got rid of it. And the Bible says that God looked at him and says, you want to build all those sex, religion, shrines? The Bible says he erected sacred stones all over, on all the hills, under every tree. And the king of Egypt came and wiped out the temple, and he took the gold, the golden, he took the gold shields. And, and, and Jeroboam says, well, I'll just carve out some bronze ones. People won't know the difference, but Abijah stood up to him. Abijah stood up to him on the very mountain, on the very mountain where uh, Jeroboam had lifted up the golden calves and lifted up all these other idols. And he says, on this very mountain, you come at me with 800,000 men and I only have 400,000 men. But let me tell you, God made us a covenant of salt to my dad, David, and we got the covenant of salt. And you might got the golden calves and you might got a bigger army than we do. But guess what? God is with us. If you fight us, you are fighting the Lord God and you will not win. So the Bible says that Jeroboam, he, he, he launched the troop. He came from behind them and he came from behind, from in front of them. But Abijah said that his priests, they had the trumpets. And the Bible says when those men heard the trumpets, that they all rushed to the battle. And 500, half a million soldiers died with Jeroboam because he refused to obey God. He, he ordained priests. The Bible says in one of the translations that I read, Anybody that wanted to be a priest, if they had a money, you could be a priest. Jeroboam resolved not to heed and therefore heard as though he had heard not, one of the commentators said. Some of us, he, we sit in church, we hear, but we don't hear. And Abijah said, you know what, I'm standing to you on Mount Ephraim, and I've made a, we've made a covenant of salt, it's unbreakable, you're going to find yourself fighting God. And, Jer and, 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 and Abijah was successful. The Bible says later on in life, Abijah only had a three-year three -year reign. The Bible says he became more mightier and mightier. The Bible says that Abijah died, or Jeroboam died rather, and he did not recover strength, and the Lord struck him. Oh yeah, he was strong. He had all the gold. He had all, he had, he had, the, big, he had, he had the biggest army he could put on his show. But he says, you come at me, with your mighty men of valor. But behind, in front of my mighty men of valor, are the priests, the ones that you wanted nothing to do with, the ones that you, that you, that you evicted. The Bible says that Abijah told him, you're, gonna, you're fighting against the Lord. You're fighting against the Lord God of your fathers, and you will not prosper. Where are the men and women who know the Lord God that have, have made a covenant with? Where are the men and women that, that, that say, Lord God, I know it's risky out there, but I'm willing to stand in the gap for the people. I'm willing to put my life on the line. I'm willing to, to serve you, God. I made a covenant of salt, and I'm not going to forget 
that you've called me, that you've strengthened me, that you've put this burden on my heart, that you've put this calling on my life. Half a million soldiers died because Jeroboam refused to listen to God. He thought, I can make priests out of every class of people. You want to be a priest? He wants to be a priest. You can, anybody can be a priest. And God says, no, I have designated priests. I have designated priests. This guy wanted to be popular. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 17, the Bible says they sacrificed to demon gods. They, they did not know. They sacrificed to new gods. This is what caught me. To new arrivals. Got a lot of new arrivals. Some of us love new arrivals. The kids say, those shoes are dropping. What shoes are dropping? Oh, they dropped a new album. Those shoes are dropping. New arrivals, they got to have them. I guess Foot Locker nowadays has a ticket, and if you go get the ticket, then I guess you're guaranteed your size of shoes. The shoes are dropping. Well, there was all these new arrival gods dropping, and God says you're serving, you're sacrificing to demon gods, to new arrivals. God's at rivalry with new arrival gods, gods whom you did not know, gods whom your fathers did not, not know. That's a strange God. Whoever came for ordination, he, he ordained them. Whoever came with the money, he put, a, he put a place in the sanctuary for them. Anyone that shows up, if they had enough money, they could be a priest. But Abijah said, we're sticking with our God. We haven't traded him in for the latest model. One of the translations says, you've traded in your God, our God, for the latest model, for a new arrival. But we're sticking with the tried and true priest. We're sticking with the tried and true and faithful God. He came over here with the, with, the, with the imitation, trying to imitate what they had over there in Israel. And God says, I'm not into imitations. I'm not into imitations. So what do you do with the salt? Jesus said, have salt in yourself. You know, the Bible says that John the Baptist, he preached with a little bit of salt. And you know what he did? He got his head cut off. Why? Because he preached with salt, and he told Herod, you're living with Herodias, your brother's wife, and that is forbidden. And the Bible says that Herodias hated him, but Herod loved to hear him. Herod loved to hear John the Baptist. The Bible says he would bring John the Baptist out just to listen to his good messages, just to listen to his message. But Herodias hated him, and one day the Bible says Herodias' little girl came out making a you know, dance. The Bible says that Herod was grieved that he had to cut John the Baptist's heart. In the book of Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your speech always be with grace and let your conversation be seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer. We've allowed bitterness to come into our hearts. You know, if I, if I, were, if I were to remain bitter for some of the things that we've gone through, if I would have harbored bitterness, and yes, I've been angry, and yes, I've been upset, and sometimes I want to say something, but God says, season your words with salt. Let me take care of it. Let me take care of it. Have peace with people. Some of you guys have bitterness at the source. And you know what's the cure for bitterness? Salt. The Bible says in 2 Kings 2.20 that the men of Jericho came to Elijah the prophet and they said, the city is pleasant, the water is bad, and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water. You got to go to the source of your bitterness. There was bitter water in the city. And 
Because the water was bitter, everything they planted did not grow. Every seed that they planted would die in the ground. It would not give forth fruit. Then the Bible says, then he wound, he went out to the source of the water and he cast the salt in there. And he says, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. And let me tell you something. If the salt is in you, there will be life and there will be fruit. If there's salt is in you, there will be life and there will be fruit. Some of us are barren and some of us are fruitless because at the source you are bitter and the Lord God told me, put some salt on it. That's the message today. Put some salt in it. If you've been an unfruitful Christian, it's time to put some salt in your water. Salt in your water. Put some salt in your water. Maybe you came in here better. If you leave bitter, that's up to you. If you came in here with unforgiveness, that's up to you if you leave with it. If you came in here with hurt, that's up to you to walk out. If you came in here angry and upset because you don't know the ways and you don't understand the ways of God, and you leave here after a message like this, that's on you. But as for me, the source of my water is not going to be bitter no more. Some of us are in that pool of bitter water. We ain't got no outsource and we ain't got no insource. The water is polluted and God says put some salt on it and it's time to bear fruit. It's time to bear fruit. Yes. Bitterness is the hindrance to your fruitfulness. And the Bible says beware lest a, a seed or a root of bitterness be inside of you. Some of us have been hindered because we've been bitter. You've been bitter at what they've done. You've been bitter at what they said. Pretty quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. You've been bitter and God says, put some salt on it. Put some salt in it and I'll make the bitter waters better. Some of us are looking for better waters like Naaman. I don't need a dip in these waters. I'm looking for better waters. God says, stop looking for better waters and get into the obedient waters. Bitterness will cause barrenness. Nobody couldn't have any babies. They would plant fruit trees. The trees would come up, but they had no fruit because at the source, the water was bitter. And Elijah the prophet said, bring me some salt. Bring me a bowl of salt. And he put some salt at the source. And the Bible says that after that, the water had life in it. Had life in it. How many of you guys are tired of living in bitter waters. You know, there was a preacher in Nashville, Tennessee, Sam Jones, and they told him, Sam Jones, why you always got to preach on holiness? And he says, because look at my Bible. Well, this one doesn't have it. He says, look at the cover of my Bible. It says, Holy Bible. Sam Jones said that. The reason why I preach on holiness is because the front cover has Holy Bible on it. Some of us our Bibles say holy on the front cover, but I wonder if you got any holiness on your spine. Mine has it on the spine. We got holiness on the front cover, but I got holiness on my spine. And how many of you guys say, Lord God, I want to give you some salt. I want to give you some salt with this offering here this morning. I'm giving you some salt. The salt means we're beginning to live pure. We're made a covenant with God, and God has made a covenant with us, and does not matter what we face. The Bible says that 
One can put a thousand in flight, but two can put 10,000 in flight. And I'm looking for men and women who have made a covenant of salt with their God. No longer are you going to allow bitterness to control your life, to control your giving, to control your service. Hurts to control your service. You know, Jer uh, Abijah could have been, he could have been bitter. As a matter of fact, he was. He told Jeroboam, he says, you came against my father when he was young and inexperienced. He received the kingdom too soon and you split it. But guess what, baby? It's payback time. And Abijah stood up to that Jeroboam. It took 18 years, but he finally went against him. And the Bible says that Abijah, because he knew he had a covenant of salt, he grew mightier and mightier. And that's what I'm expecting out of us this morning. Now we realize, Lord, I've made a covenant of salt with you. And I've not, I'm, I'm not giving up on living pure. I'm not giving up on believing that you, Lord God, are going to make a way. I'm not giving up on believing, Lord God, that you're going to do what you promised. You said you would do. It might not have happened the way I would have wanted to, but I'm not giving up and believing. I've made a covenant of salt. Yes. I've made a covenant of salt with my God. And he says, not only have I made a covenant of salt with you, I've made it with the, your descendants and your descendants' descendants. In other words, the covenant does not stop with you. It continues after you. It continues after you. But I wonder where are all the mighty men at. I wonder where all the mighty men are at that would say, you know what? I'm going to take a stand against the false gods. I'm going to take a, a stand against those guys with all the golden calves. Yeah, they've got everything. But they don't got a covenant of salt. Yeah, they might have it all, but they don't have what we've got. We've got a covenant of salt. This morning, are you worth your salt? You know, back in the Roman days, they used to pay the soldiers with salt. That's where we get the word salario. Are you worth your salt? God thought so. Jesus thought so. He said, this is my body broken for you. He said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And when Jesus brought that bread into that upper room, the Bible says that Jesus brought the bread. Who was the bread? He was. And the apostles brought the salt. He made a covenant with them. You know that brave men, just men in general, I got to say, are going extinct in the church. Holy men of God, not perfect, but men that are becoming perfect. Philippians says, and my God, who begun a good work in you, is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I know we ain't perfect and we ain't got it all together. It may look like we got it all together, but he's doing a work in you. He's completing a good work in you.